You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Welcome to Quantum Leap Book Club. During the next hour, beloved mind scientist Parisha and her guests from around the world will read and discuss various best-selling books with well-known authors. Every show will apply retention techniques designed to help you to absorb powerful knowledge to effectively change your life. Join us every week for a thought-provoking hour and re-listen as often as you can. You will be delighted by what you learn and you will be excited by the results. Are you ready to take the quantum leap? Here's Parisha. Greetings. This is Quantum League Book Club, and we're actually closing the closing chapter today with Matter into Feeling. And I'm your host for today, and my co-hosts are Trina Cooper from Denver, Maria Jacos from Miami, Florida, Steve Jones from Kingman, Arizona, Geraldine Dalby-Ball from Sydney, Australia, and we have Marianne Love from Melbourne, Australia, and we actually have Joyce Mullenhauer, who is also from Kingman, Arizona. So we're going to start today to wrap this book up. We have had multiple discussions as to how we, those hosting this book, have actually enjoyed the changes in the in-depth information that Dr. Wolf has given us in uh, what we would consider spiritual metaphysics. Okay, Wolf actually has several books out, and I would hope that our listeners and our readers are actually looking into a few of his other books. He actually brings everything that we would consider very high tech into very late uh, men's consciousness as far as how do we live it? How, how do we actually do this with our everyday kind of ordinariness? And it's he's very successful in it. This chapter, chapter nine, which is what we will do and finish up today, is actually kind of a summation of the book itself, but also an introduction to the man himself. And uh, I've had the privilege of actually working and interviewing and talking, kind of being mentored, so to say, by Fred Allen Wolf. And he is such a character, such a very obvious real person. He lives and thinks exactly as he writes. So there are no trivial conversations with Dr. Wolf. They all get immediately into deep science and metaphysics and quantum physics and the whole thing. So it's very interesting to have such a person at our time and place giving us answers and guidance as to what can actually happen in our world today. So we're going to start now on chapter nine, and I'm going to ask Trina Cooper to please read the beginning Hebrew caption on this chapter. Trina, you there? Yes, I am. Um, This chapter is about Tate, which is nine, to Sada, which is 90. Tate represents the self, any focus or center or concentration of energy that becomes female. It is the womb, a place for birth to begin. When Teot manifests, turning into Sada, it becomes the whole universe of matter and mind. Whereas the final outcome of Teot was cosmic resistance, the final outcome of Sada is Yod, the material universe itself. Very, very good. So as we can see, just from that little bit of tidbit of information, this, this chapter in itself is a powerhouse. So we're going to let you start uh, taking us through some of your response to this chapter. Steve Jones? 
Yes, thank you. Uh, so in this chapter, Wolf explains uh, a number of concepts. He explains how love is not just like an emotional concept, but actually the energy pattern that the universe is created from and whose form it uses to structure matter. He talks about the, there's three principles he, sp he speaks about is the, the bait, hate, and tate, which are principles that are related to resistance and manifestation. And that when we multiply any of these by 10, they become material and become material present for us. And that the universe is built with love. So that means that the actual structure, the patterns of matter reflect the patterns of love and that love actually requires a partnership. And that partnership would be of the two information streams that he had mentioned earlier, one from the past and one from the future. And that love and learning to see love and express love is the purpose of this life. And, and he talks about how that love is very much tied to our attention and our imagination, which makes me think of the word appreciation when we so that when we focus on something and we appreciate it, we make it increase. Uh, he talks about a, a, a personal story of his about love and magic and how they're related. And that how during his life, when he had something that he was really interested in, it would appear in his life. So when he got excited about something and kept focusing on thinking, exploring it, it would come maybe not the next day, but it would show up in his life. And he sees that as an expression of God's love to him for the focus. And he explains there's a continual battle within us between matter and spirit. And how when scientists are looking to explain the universe, they also want to experience love at the same time. But when they analyze and get down to the details, they move away from seeing everything as the one. And when they go to the one, all the differences disappear. So it's kind of two sides of the spectrum with that. And he asks, um, he asks a question uh, about science and magic. Like, can they, can they actually, uh, are they antithetical? I mean, can they exist at the same time? And, and that, uh, that point that I just mentioned where, um, on one side of the spectrum, you have the one, and as you analyze, you have the two. They they can exist at the same time, he, he answers. It's just the farther you go to one side, you just move away from the perception of seeing things from the other. And one of the, one of the things that I, I enjoyed was how he talked about how we can alleviate suffering by identifying that others' situations are ours as well. And that if you can see something from the opposing side, that gives us the perspective that allows us to understand and not suffer. And since everyone is one consciousness and we can't separate ourselves from others' experiences, if someone is suffering, we're suffering. And we just have to expand our minds to realize that. And it works also works in the same way where we can have a positive effect and be the healing agent that affects everything. And he shows us that we have a choice of how we can relate to the world. We can relate to our fear and our survival, or we can relate to our soul, which will set us free. If we live from the, the timeless, unlimited being that, uh, that we are, 
we're not going to be living in suffering. We're going to be living in appreciation. And he talks about, again, how there's one consciousness, although there's many realities within that consciousness. There can be light, there can be darkness, all being experienced at the same time. And although in your mind, your thought may be existing within your head, because we're all one, that thought is actually affecting everything and everyone all at the same time. And that duality is just a concept. So there can be many different minds, many different viewpoints, and you could look at them as being opposite or not being able to exist at once, but within the one, they can all exist. And he explains how in order to conceive unity or being one, there has to be the illusion of duality. And we're all reflections of a single mind. So if we're experiencing the one, then we can't see the other side because there is no other side. So we're either experiencing the one or we're experiencing uh, the, the many manifestations. And that is what I got from the chapter. All right. Very, very good. Uh, very, very quick and to the point. Okay. All right. Now let's move to Geraldine Dalby Ball in Melbourne, Australia. Geraldine, are you there? Absolutely. And I'd love to start with the structure of the universe is love. And I know people have probably heard that in a few different ways from different speakers, whether it be ancient wisdom or modern science. The more that quantum physics and this particular book, Matter and Feeling, gives us that uh, the physicality of it and starting with the, the symbols is letting us know that there is this progress and, in fact, it starts with saying that the earth has is spelt out in Hebrew, Aleph, Rashe, Tzadol, which is spirit, Aleph, creating the universe in structure. So it's showing that the earth is created by love. And, indeed, I found this part where it says, are science and magic um, able to be in the same place or does one rule out the other? Interesting, because quite often when we don't understand something, we may say it's magic. And at the same time, the more you read into quantum physics, the more the mind is able to ponder and go, wow, you know, that is, as they say, truth can be stranger than fiction. So we allow ourselves at this time, at sometimes just to say it's magic and not have to know what it really is in terms of the deep science. But if you want to, the deep science is here in terms of the quantum physics and moving us through to love and uncertainty. And this looks at suffering and how do we release suffering? We can release suffering from releasing ourselves from the patterns of repetition where we keep identifying ourselves as something separate. So all the suffering that can come from saying, this is me, this is my house, this is my job, this constant reinforcement of repetition of separation. And the sharing is as we come to realise this and look at it it's actually can be an uncomfortable feeling of even being embarrassed not just humbling but embarrassing and humbling when we start to let go of that identification and looking at the new alchemy as it's described looks at a function of life that's saying there is no separateness however it's also okay to be a point in time to be a focus point and that we can let go of that suffering, but also to be aware that 
we do live in this dualistic world. And he says, sometimes just have common sense. When you're in an argument with a partner, maybe don't put all the science to it and rationalise it. Just give them a hug. And this beauty, again, underlines the whole chapter that we're looking at here and indeed the book where the basis is love. And there is this illusion which is called Maya, M-A-Y-A in this in the book that we're looking at, Maya, so the illusion of there being multiple minds. And there's the example of uh, if I'm looking into the garden out a window and I see a garden, then I'm seeing that one particular possibility out of all the probabilities that could have been there because quantum physics tells us there are limitless possibilities. But if I look, I have through my whatever it could be, my past, my future, all the rest, as Steve mentioned too, the time streams, the future information comes, the past information, that influences what I'm thinking and feeling and that that influences the garden that I see at that time. But if I close that window and I make it dark, quantum physics would say that all goes back to being possibilities again so that the next person, it could be anything to them as well. And here's the situation then or the quandary, the question when I'm not looking at it and someone else looks at it, again, do all those other possibilities go away and is it just what that person's looking at? And this is one to allow yourself to ponder because if we then go, that makes sense from a quantum physics perspective, but it's saying that each individual is then separate. If I'm then saying we are one mind, when I'm in the dark and not seeing the garden and someone else is looking, if we are one mind, then that garden is also in my mind. And as Grandmother Parish has said at the beginning, this book gives us uh, the ability to have tools for how do we make change. And just in that section towards the end of this chapter and the end of the book about seeing into the mirrors of the mind, we get shown that throughout history we've gone through ideas of mysticism, then science, then back to mysticism. And at the moment there's a, a mental stress, and that mental stress can be because we are spirits living in a physical form. We are spirit that in the earth at the time, this time, often sees itself as separate. So to allow ourselves to move from this mental stress, we can know that we are one mind, this one mind pops in and out so I can pop in and see that garden because someone saw that garden. So in this way, it says to me that if we want to see different in the world, let's see it and feel it. And that then, because we are one mind, is present for everyone. And that's the conclusion of my summary. Very, very good and very timely. Thank you. Also, I want to act definitely... Uh, in getting, making sure we had permission to air this over the many networks that's going to be airing this with us. Uh, Dr. Wolf's uh, particular person who takes care of his stuff, his publisher, asked us to please promote the book. He, he actually suggests once he found out that I was doing this, he said, please guide them toward looking to the next book that will take them right to the core of the whole message. And that book is the Spiritual Universe by Dr. Fred Allen Wolf, One Physicist's Vision of Spirit, Soul, Matter, and Self. 
And uh, I agree, it's a fantastic book. So again, that book is called The Spiritual Universe by Dr. Fred Allen Wolf. One Physicist's Vision of Spirit, Soul, Matter, and Self. Okay. And basically moving through in all of the particular things that he shares, I love what he shared in the beginning of the, the chapter where he actually lets you walk into out of out of all of his books, this is the only one that I've ever had the privilege of of reading and looking into to where Fred actually shares himself. Uh, like I said, he's he's a humorist. He's he's a he's intelligence personified, but there is such a loving nature and such a gentleness that anybody I know and have ever introduced him to that shook his hand said that was the gentlest handshake I have ever had. Okay. It emanates from him. It emanates through his hands. It emanates through his eyes because he story tells everything. Everything becomes a story that he weaves into the actual fact of the teaching so that you walk away with these, these wonderful mystical experiences with him. So actually, like I said, out of, out of all the teachers who are teaching quantum, I think that Fred Allen Wolf be the most genuine one that says love is the base in the reality of it all. Okay. So again, please check out his book, the the spirit. What did I just tell you <laughs> that book was that he wants us to look at. Okay. And that's called the spiritual universe. All right. Okay. I'm going to go back to the co-hosts and allow some of them to sum up. We have a few minutes here. So let's start with you, Trina, kind of give us your, final scope of the book and what do you recommend? Well, for me, this book, I had to go back and look at the title and matter into feeling. And all through the book, I kept asking that question, what are we talking about? And then I found the nugget, which is in the first book, he created the matter, but what really brings it to life is the ability to feel. It's the movement that's there. It's the, our awareness, becoming aware in ourselves of the movement of all life and that this transformation inside of us really changes when we get in touch with either the quantum or the mystical, but better yet, the way he's presented it, this combination of going back and forth, explaining alchemy, the science and the spirit that we combine these and we get a deeper understanding. And the movement piece of it, Dalit in this last chapter, there's the, the, the pictures on page 158, there's this rain down of Dalit. And when you think of Dalit, Dalit was the resistance and the response to movement. So when we look at the material world, of Sada, and we expand those letters open so that we actually look at each individual letter, the Dalit kind of expands and rains down. And so for me, looking at it, it was like, wow, all the possibilities are there in the quantum. And as we feel the resistance and we respond, it opens up the next piece of possibility, another resistance, another response. And the coolest thing is that when we really get in touch with it and aware of it, 
we get to make the choices. We get to create. That's great. I love that. Yes, we get to make the choices. That's fantastic. Okay, let's move right along and let's hear from Marianne Love in Melbourne, Australia. Yes, this is Marianne. And this book was brilliant for explaining the science behind manifestation and really talking about how everything is in fact an illusion Um, an illusion we're all a part of playing, but gives a really detailed scientific view of how, in fact, it is an illusion and a a science in a way I've never heard anyone else talk about. Um, And he gives this beautiful, loving way to see it and yet a, a compassionate way to understand that in the illusion of separation, we actually feel a whole lot of emotions of pain and suffering and that dance between timelines of the future and timelines of the past converging now so it's real it's a really detailed look at how you can become master creators in your life it's real good do you you find do you find this good to use within your practice as a physical as a therapist it's powerful like it's a science that's really challenging to explain and um, to deeply incorporate but at the same time, it really helps people not over-identify with their emotions and the fact that they can be powerful to change. And it, it starts from you. If this, if this book helps you have clarity and brings you to particular levels of consciousness now, af- actually you pass it on, don't you, and to each of your patients anyway. So yeah. that's, yeah. Okay, we're going to go back and switch over to the U.S. side here and talk to Joyce Mollenhauer and uh Kingman, Arizona. Joyce, are you on? I am on. And I just love some of the visuals he gives. The example I want to share is the one that he gave up about a balloon and how the balloon membrane, you could, some people might say, well, there's inside air and there's outside air. Well, you take the balloon away and it's all air. So this relates very strongly to his all of his teaching about interconnectedness. That yes, there's a separateness there if we allow our ignorance. And sometimes the ignorance is just not making different choices. So if we allow the ignorance, then we could say we're separate. If we let go of the ignorance, then we start to understand we're totally interconnected. So I felt that was a very useful visual. I agree very much so. Thank you. All right, let's come back to Steve. Steve, you want to give us a couple of minutes here on what did you think of the overall book? I thought it. I thought it was uh, it was helpful um, just to, in reflecting how our choices uh, actually affect us and how it affects our lives, and also resonates out into the rest of the universe and society. So, in I know with myself and looking at that and understanding that I, I, uh, you know, I'm not really just looking at how I can improve my own life with how I'm changing my thinking, but, but thinking really a, a more of like with my purpose and how in changing my thinking, I can actually affect the world and society and, and, and on things on a larger scale. So it gave a lot of, you know, scientific perspectives into, into that, uh, into that view. That's exciting, isn't it? Very exciting. It actually opens up our own role in life so much. All right, let's move back to Miami, Florida. And Maria, you want to give us a couple of minutes there? Yeah, I think basically what was really powerful about this whole book is that it's basically telling us we're not victims. 
of our consequences. And, you know, he he just gives us the roadmap throughout this whole book of, you know, overcoming suffering and what we're all trying to achieve, which is being happy and and having joy in our lives. And then, you know, through all the sciences, he says, well, you know, if you have any doubt, here is the science. This is the reason why this is the way that it is. And, and for me, it was just very powerful understanding that even more at a deeper level that we, we do have choices. And once you start to see the world and everything as interconnectedness, then you start to really experience like matter into feelings, the title of the book, and you begin to experience love and harmony. And I think that that was the driving force for me and, and how he just ended it so beautifully when, in this last chapter with discussing that concept of love. Okay, very, very good. And Geraldine, can uh, you give us your summary on that? Yes, with the key word being feeling, it's it's one thing to intellectualize and to hear information and to say, oh, yeah, I, I think I get that or I think I don't, but to actually go, do I feel that? And this book is a journey through feeling and key parts of it are, you know, make sure there's fun. Even in this last chapter where he says, if you think you're having, you know, a potential argument, give give the person a hug. You know, it really got back to the teaching of as as you lift yourself, you lift a thousand others. And we do that through thinking and feeling as we look into the world and see it as it is. It is. And not only is it for us, which was sort of the original teaching, what I've got out of it though now is, as I look into the world and see it a certain way, because we are one mind, then that perspective is also available for everybody else and everything else. So why would I want to then put, you know, rubbish and dirt into the one mind? So extra responsibility and joyfulness um, because it really is saying see beauty and you create it and feel beauty. And that's that's the, that's the point here, isn't it? Key word here is feeling. Okay, I agree with you and actually understanding it. There's definitely been a lot of questions that's come in through the network over the time we've been doing the book. And it was some some of our listeners really wanted a greater sense or reflection on what he's talking about in multiplying by 10. Okay, does any of you have any particular insights you want to share with that? Okay, with what, what we were doing as far as taking any one of the uh, Hebrew symbols, and again, I think it was Trina that made the point, the, the, the Hebrew letters, or which we're calling symbols or glyphs, and our altars. What do we mean by altars? Meaning they're active, okay? They're actually an alchemy. They are, they are, they are a particular, if we were in the lab, we have put different components together to get a certain reaction. Well, every one of these glyphs or these particular Hebrew letters are exactly that. They are an altar. They're active. They cause things. They have effect. And they do bring things into order, okay? So when we're saying that we take any one of the glyphs or any particular, particular, if we're doing chemistry, let me talk to you in the form of chemistry. In the lab, if I take any particular chemical of itself, let's say salt, okay, and I begin to add something to it, 
Okay, what he's saying here is that whatever we're added to it begins in the effect to be measured or double it 10 times. Okay, well, there's another principle that I've taught for many years to quite a quite large audience that actually will be listening to this call. Okay, to where I have said to you when you are blessing and when you receive the blessing that you send forth 10 to 100 and 1,000 fold. Okay, that's the multiplication we're talking about here. Okay, that it begins by tens, that whatever we add to it and anything that you are saying, anything that you're giving power to. So understand that means whatever you're talking about, that means your thoughts as well. By the time you bring it through, you've added 10 to it. So it's 10 times more than it was before you spoke it or you put your energy to it. Okay. And as that multiplies, then it begins to spread out. So whether it be nurturing or detrimental or positive and healthy or whatever, it doesn't matter. It's going to be multiplied by 10, which immediately moves to a hundred because it multiplies by 10 more that fast. And then 10 more by that fast. I only take it to a hundred fold because after that it's universal. So when we begin to understand then the importance of these glyphs and the reason I've had all of the students I've used with, with learning and, and working with this book, okay? Practice the artistic ability of creating, creating the particular glyphs, okay? Take, take your ink pen or I, I suggest magic markers because most of the Hebrew symbols are kind of heavy on the ink, okay? and actually play with them and finding the one that actually draws you, you know, after you've done a number of them, you'll feel that there's ones that you're more favorite to, or you feel more inclined to do that because that's what you're multiplying. Okay. That's what's coming very, very rapidly into reality and effect through you. Okay. And then combining them as he did in the beginning of this chapter, he actually goes through quite a bit that most of, uh, I think Trina did the most thorough presentation on that uh, last week, actually goes through uh, the combining of the glyphs to achieve just what we would be considered a whole scripture. To take one or two of them and put them together becomes a whole scripture. Okay, and so how powerful is that? That you only need two symbols to write a scripture. Whereas you may go on and ramble on and on and on to pages. The point is always being very clear and to the point, being able to deliver the point very clear without lots of yama yama or hums around it. Okay. And so he does that very good in the beginning of this chapter. And that's, I think, would be my answer in response to those of you who are curious as to the importance of what we would see as multiplying by 10. Okay. And, and the other parts that we've looked at in the book where he speaks us of the manner of love, there are tremendous teachers that are teaching meditation and teaching us how to look at our old self and make ourselves new selves and so forth and on. And all of that effective to those who need the regiment. But you don't need the regiment. You were born in that. You were created in that. Every cell of your body, which counts into trillions of cells, each one has the DNA or the nucleus that is nothing other than the pattern and the vibration of love. 
So then we have to ask what happens to us then? What what gets in the way of that? What starts clouding that? What starts eroding that? How do we become jaded and how do we become anything other than the actual reality of that love? And when we ask ourselves that question, and Wolf teaches this so very strong, we need to only ask that question and find out where it hurts. Meaning, how are we not comfortable with it? How does it not suit us anymore? How is it we don't justify it anymore? Because when we have come to that place, when we have actually journaled and looked at that and said, you know, that's just not okay. He says, we're done. He says, it's over. It's done. That at that point, you have chose to love yourself. At that point, you have chose to not be that anymore. And he actually cautions us to work with it and dig into it deeper is to resurrect it. He says to just absolutely grow and flourish with love actually comes to what we expect from the most high of whatever sacred name we give it. We expect unconditional love. But are we willing to actually live unconditional love? And he says in regards to ourself, we must apply that first. And that comes through us writing our own story, talking about our own particulars, what we think, what we did, how we saw something, what we would like to see, the dreams that we can write. He believes that we are one big story and that our story is constantly unfolding and that by chapter by chapter, and, and by, as we see in every chapter, there are headings that divide each pieces of the chapter. He sees that as us. He sees that that's what we're doing. That in this particular chapter, maybe it's a relationship. Maybe we have fallen in love. And in it, we will have different bold headings as to how that particular love and the effects of that relationship begin to explore itself and amplify itself through our life and our everydayness. And when we come to that as we're journaling, and I remember as a girl how some of the ladies and friends that I was meeting all had diaries. And I thought that was so sophisticated and cool because we I wasn't even raised with paper, let alone a diary. So when I was actually given one as a gift, it was such a, oh, just treasure. I didn't even write in it for a year. I was I just kept looking at each of the pages thinking how wonderful it is to have this, okay? But he says to diary, to write our life every day before we begin to do it and after we have done it, to write it and look at it and decide how today's story went. And if there's any part in it that we have decided was not the way we scripted it or not the way we had actually directed it to be. That just us looking at that and in that moment, accepting that, we begin to multiply that by 10, 100, 1,000 fold. And therefore, we become whole in that moment. I find that very cool myself. I find that when we have to do so much work at resolving what we think we don't want anymore, all we're doing is spending a lot of time giving it a lot of presence. And as we're look, looking at what this wonderful magician here and alchemist can do, just putting all of it into the, the laboratory that's called love, there nothing negative comes out. And that is we can love ourselves and respect ourselves enough to look at what we are, what we have done, 
where we have been, what we have said, and what we are thinking. And notice that that's someplace we want to have different. Just write exactly how we want it. And find the joy of that being real, because in those moments, we have definitely given it life called love. And in that, our day, our world begins to change. We are the instrument of that love, and we must never, ever forget that. Is there anyone else who would like to add a couple of comments? This is Trina, and I'm just, I'm so grateful for this book and the, um, what he shared with us about the reflection of Yahweh, the one great spirit, being the love and compassion, and that everything in material is that reflection of the love and the compassion means that each of us in our own way is that reflection. And if we can raise ourselves above to look from that perspective of all the possibilities and not get stuck in one thing, um, it makes the world magic just the way he described it. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, anyone else? This yeah, is just... Okay, okay. Josh. Okay, um, what I w would like to leave the listeners with is to question this, add this to all the wonderful information grandmother just gave us, is to actually ask yourself the question, if I recognize that there's an infinite field, an infinite, that means no numbers, not, you can't even put numbers to it. If with an infinite field of possibilities available to us, do I tap it? So that's just a question. Another one to add to the journaling. Okay, fantastic. Maria, you wanted to say something? The completion of this book just made me think of when I was a child, when he talks about the magic of life. And it just brought such fond memories of think of being in the imaginal, which is what he talks about and all the, you know, the, just being in that state of pure love as a child, it just got me in touch with being that inner child again. And it brought a lot of happiness. So this book was really magical, very magical. Very, very good. Marianne. Yeah. Marianne, can you, are you on? Okay. We can move to Steve. Steve, do you have something you would like to add? Uh, just that, uh, just seeing how the, how, you know, with uh, the different symbols and the glyphs, how that relates to how we understand the, our relationship with the, with the future. Obviously it's been, uh, this has been passed down through and to the, uh, the Kabbalah for, for many years. It's just, uh, appreciate seeing it in a different a different view there's a lot of different you know metaphysical ways to say it but seeing it from a uh a perspective uh a different perspective helps with me okay have have any of you actually done any of the glyph work and do you have you found one that you resonate to a little bit uh more or maybe with more a greater affinity anybody okay the one I have found and I love a lot is Yod. And uh, I play with that. I play with that by doodling. When I'm in meetings and stuff like that, uh, I actually will take uh, my pen and start doodling. And if, if I'm having to listen to somebody that 
I, at this point, I have already checked out on that meaning. I'm not giving much attention to this at all. Okay, I'll start doodling Yod and moving it along and realize how as I move it along, I begin to actually have the feelings and I watch the room change because actually do, me doodling, I'm actually putting the symbol out in the space, the time space of the room. And in that moment, like I said, everybody begins to actually kind of start shifting and things get to go into a different place. And then at that point, I have, I I, I don't know, I have a whole different expression on it. And usually I come out with something different. And in that, I actually have a great excitement and whatever else that goes into it. And the yacht is the, is actually the symbol and the word of the word actually represents island to be an island unto oneself. And uh, just try that. All of you need to try that and just see 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 what speaks to you and what kind of resonates from your particular code, and actually make more of the book than that. So I've kind of made my own little. Uh, dictionary of all of the symbols and I run down them and play with them whenever I'm in a place to where I feel that my emotions are not allowing me to be as open and uh, in a place of greater openness and acceptance of everything and uh, looking at that I move to a whole different note hey is another one that I definitely do and I I kind of do my own thing in that okay because it uh, with hey, I always feel I'm right making a doorway and going through it. So when I'm getting ready to do a presentation and actually take people through a whole nother place into another room of thought, I do though, I actually draw hey and put that out there. And when I multiply that by five, of course I get noon. And then that's another particular one I'll add to it. So as you go through the chapters and you look at that, look at the combinations and ask yourself, are you preparing this, the time, space, and the field that you're working in in order to get a greater assistance, at least having the alchemy of the time, space, and field begin to complement where you're at, where you're going. Anyone else have anything you'd like to share and add? This is Geraldine. I have a quick one. And it's interesting that you mentioned time and space because Gimel is one of those ones. So um, Gimel is is one of the symbols and it allows us to like know that time and space can be created. And interestingly, it's the chapter heading of the one I wanted to sum up with, which was a reminder of the four elements and how these four elements also are related to our physical field, our physicality and our feeling. So when we're looking to balance things in the world, go back and see, do we need more air? Do we need more water? How are we working with fire? And to know that these beautiful elements that are part of the earth also nourish the physical form and the mental and spiritual that we are. I agree. And in, in keeping company with a lot of what I considered very uh, enlightened beings, I have watched how there is a, a great deal of no talking. I don't want to say silence because by no means is it silent, Okay but that everybody is, when we gather, everybody comes actually doing their work in the field. In other words, putting the symbol, bringing conditioning and, and preparing the field for the gathering or for the event or whatever's happening and how 
each one of the elders over the years that I have watched, they they will not even begin to talk to you other than to greet you and make you welcome and comfortable. They there's no conversation until they have prepared the field. And that before every meal, uh, there's like usually on a stone or something else, there's a water drawing and they draw the glyphs or they draw the symbols in water so that the evaporation actually goes into the negative ions in the room. Okay. And at the one of the things that I know you teach this a lot, Geraldine, is actually doing locationals, how we need to prepare ourselves for the space time we're in and everything else that's sharing that space time with us. So all the material, physical things that are in our particular field. And how much are we really doing that? How much, you know, we're we're asking for all this to happen. We want all these things to happen. We want health. We want wealth. You know, we want happiness. We want this. We want that. And yet we have already been so overeducated that we're taking it all for granted, doing none of it, because nothing happens with the education until you practice it. And the practice means now you have the wisdom, which means you have an outcome. Okay. So like putting the glyph in one of the things that definitely that I do and before I will have luncheon with anybody, especially now over my God, it has to be maybe 27, 30 years. Okay. I have these little cards that I buy and they're, they're recipe cards, but they, they're just plain little cards. And I cut them in half to where they look like a business card. And I draw my glyphs and my altar on that card and when I go and sit down, I pull that card out and put it right next to me on the table. And I let it go to work. In all those cases, I have never had to actually do too much presentation or too much of anything to get the contract or get whatever I came to get. It's already being done. It's being done without the words and the chatter and the needless ego that's in all of that. And so it's like if we would deal more with allowing what we think is the invisible world into our visible physical world by shutting our mouths and by limiting how much chatter we create and avoiding, definitely avoiding gospel, anything of the gossiping and the the particular righteousness that we need to promote, that we simply just speak very clear truth. And those words supported by our preparing, our preparing that environment. We got to win every time. Okay, we're going to move now to close this particular session. And we appreciate all of you who have actually followed with us and read the matter into feeling with Dr. Fred Allen Wolf. And again, please do definitely take him up on the invitation to check out his next book, which he, it's not a next book. I think it's out. I remember reading it, I think in 2000. So it's some time back, but one that he feels he's put a lot of his heart in. And I can tell you it's worth every page of it. The spiritual universe, one physicist vision of spirit, soul, matter, and self. And I thank you very much. We will be starting next week with our book from uh, definitely one that says the five agreements. And I'm eager to actually get into that with you all because it supports a lot of what I'm spouting about here in, in the closing on how our word and what we say and how much we actually feel we need to say to stop chattering, but to make a point. 
And I think Don Miguel Ruiz does that very good in what he calls the four agreements. And that will be our next book, okay? And we will catch you again next week at the same time. Meanwhile, have every wonderful, beautiful thing that comes with life and what you desire. OCO. Thank you for listening to Quantum Leap Book Club. For more information where you can contact us, go to LOARadioNetwork.com forward slash quantum hyphen leap. Have a great week.